This is The Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast, and Merry Christmas week. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina boyd Circa, and it's kind of hard to focus on anything other than Christmas this week. It's a, it's a getaway week. Even if you don't celebrate Christmas, you're probably looking forward to at least a few days or a couple weeks, depending on who you are, off of work. We're almost checked out at this point. We're still here. We're, we still, we're still going strong for you guys. And let's just talk all things holidays, shall we? This is a chance for us to just have some fun. We're going to talk about holiday movies, which is one of my favorite things about the holidays. I've been getting more and more into them over these past couple of years, so I'm excited to get Andre back in the mix and have that conversation. Yeah, don't tell Tom Rickard about the gradual deterioration of my work ethic and focus over the last three weeks. I feel like it is now at peak level as we head into this week. Um, but yes, I cannot wait to hear from Andre. I have one particular movie that I have to run past him. It's not Die Hard, as whether or not it qualifies for a quote-unquote true Christmas movie. Hmm. Now, now we, I'm intrigued. We do get that, and we do get that Die Hard thing clarified as well today, because some people apparently need to be reminded whether or not that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's a hot debate. We will talk about that today. Plus, we also talk about food because what is Christmas week without talking about all sorts of foods and including a Philadelphia institution that nearly had to cancel Christmas because of an equipment issue as well. Guys, I'll be totally honest. I had no clue that cannolis are considered a Christmas delicacy. I had no idea. You know what? I will be honest. I didn't either because I just... I mean, I love cannolis year round. I didn't know that it was specifically a Christmas thing. I am not Italian, so I apologize for not realizing that to the Italian community, but uh, they are. They are a big deal, and we're going to find out more about that from the great Hadas Kuznets, who knows all about dining and stuff like that in Philadelphia from her podcast, What's Cooking? Uh, It's a huge deal, as we've all kind of learned over the last, last few days. It is a big deal here. We shouldn't waste any time when food's involved. Let's get down to it here on this Christmas week edition of The Rundown. So we start today with just the story of a holiday tradition here in the city of Philadelphia that was almost ruined. Termini Brothers Bakery almost ran out of cannolis right before Christmas. Now, here to tell us this whole story, joining us once again is KYW's Hadas Kuznets. Hadas Let's get some background. Why are cannolis at Christmas such a thing from Termini Brothers Bakery? Well, you know, I think it's a old school Italian tradition. Uh, the Italian immigrant community uh, is a community that uh, was really built up in the 18th and 19th centuries. You know, Philadelphia is a city of neighborhoods. So this is kind of like every, every neighborhood has its flavor, literally. And South Philadelphia is really Italian. They have a big Italian population. They have markets, including, you know, the very famous outdoor Italian market, um, lots of Italian restaurants. And that has to do with the people who settled there at uh, the turn of the two previous centuries. Termini Brothers cannolis are very famous here. Even before I moved to the city, I'd heard of Termini Brothers. How long has Termini Brothers been here? What's the history of this bakery? So Termini Brothers... Bakery is one of those famous multi-generational businesses. Uh, Right now, they're up to three generations. It was started by Joey Termini's 
grandfather in 1921. So this is a really special year for the business. They're celebrating their 100th year anniversary. There, there are a couple of uh, businesses like that, many businesses like that in Philadelphia. Um, and they're famous because like you can trace them back to the grandparents or the great uncles or the great aunts or sometimes even multiple great grandparents. Um, and they have uh, a history. But not only that, like they really remember a time in Philadelphia because they've been here so long. They're kind of like the holders of Philadelphia history. So, you know, people are really drawn to that. And, you know, part of history is food, which is what we love to talk about with what's cooking. And that ties it back to Philly and the neighborhoods. And you mentioned 2021, 100th anniversary. Big deal. You only get one of these. When a piece of equipment that's essential to the Termini Brothers cannolis breaks down just after Thanksgiving, what's going on here? What was that piece and what happened? How is this going? How could this possibly ruin the party over there? <laughs> okay, well, so this is really interesting because, um, you know, anybody who loves to talk about history and food history and, you know, city history, you, you, when you're talking about multi-generational operation, you're talking about like, you know, the way pieces of equipment were made back in the day, like they just don't make them like this anymore. So they have uh, the piece of equipment that we're talking about is called the dough breaker. And it takes the, you know, when you, anybody who's ever rolled out cookies, dough for cookies or whatever, um, you know, you make your circles and then you take the leftover dough and you roll that into new dough. So uh, you have to have like the perfect balance of the old dough and the new dough for those like bubbles in the cannoli uh, shells. And this dough breaker rolls it all out. So uh, Termini Brothers has two dough breakers and they're massive. They're like monsters, very, very heavy pieces of equipment imported from Italy that um, have lasted a long time. Now, the first piece of equipment that is actually in the shop right now at uh, Sanders Brothers, another multi-generational uh, company, they have another dough breaker. This particular one was their backup. And this dough breaker was 80 years old. You know, when Thanksgiving comes, they basically sell all their cannolis. And then between Thanksgiving and Christmas, they're basically starting from scratch. So they need to have like, you know, Joey Termini told me like 90 bins of uh, cannoli shells in order to make it through the holidays. Yeah, it's like I, I went up to his uh, attic and it was it looked like a lot to me. And he said, this is like nothing. Anyway, this piece, it broke something in it broke it. The dough got jammed and uh, the head baker and the manager on duty were like, oh, I don't want to tell you what they said, but you know. <laughs> it's a word we can't we we don't use very often here. Still waiting on the first bleep on this. We almost got one right there. <laughs> oh, fun. Fun. It's so fun, right? As you might have heard in a Christmas story, oh fudge. I mean, of course, fun is my favorite F word, but we we now know <laughs> that this is going to be fun. So, you know, what are they going to do? So that was an emergency. He told me they had about, I don't know, like 13 bins, but they need like 90 bins. So 13 bins will buy you about two weeks of time. So now they're on a time crunch. Like you've got less than two weeks to fix this thing or you're not going to have enough cannolis. Uh, you're not going to be able to sell them on Christmas for the Christmas rush. And, you know, the shells are like the thing that takes a lot of time. They fill them with cream like to order on the spot. So they really need to have these shells made ahead of time. You, by the way, came into the office with a box of these and yes. they are fantastic. 
I almost feel bad having eaten one here now hearing this story. Like, are these a rare commodity at this point? Like, how, how are they doing? Well, you know, the story has a happy ending, but I have to tell you, it was a Christmas miracle. And we were able, we, they were able to avert a cannoli emergency. The first thing uh, Joey Termini did was he called his friend, uh, Joe Toludo, over Toludo's there, a pasta making multi-generational business also in South Philly. And so he offered him like his pasta roller. But, you know, Joey was very concerned. He says, it just wasn't big enough. It just wasn't going to suit our needs. And we didn't want to break his century old machine as well. They went on the hunt to look for what they could use. Then they went back to Sanders Brothers, again, a multi-generational company that they use. And on a side note, it's really interesting. uh, As Joey was explaining, uh, these other multi-generational companies that they use with their business, um, it's like a family reunion. Lou is the father. Dan and Jeff are the sons. And like I said, they've been working with us for decades. I was going to say, they all know your dad. Yeah, they know know their kids. And they knew my grandfather. So, you know, we've kind of grew up together. It's, it's just like history on top of Philadelphia history and immigration history and food history. Anyway, that's a side note. But Sanders Brothers went and they basically, they were determined. They went from machine shop to machine shop to machine shop until they found one machine shop in particular that really dropped everything to make sure that our tradition continues. Lo and behold, they found the piece that they needed and, you know, it was a cannoli miracle. It does sound like this really reflects the level of community. There's a word that's often thrown around a lot, community. Not just in terms of your own ethnic base, but actually just the community level here in Philadelphia. And it sounds like this really reflects upon what we see in that part of South Philadelphia. What do you think that says about the people of Philadelphia? Well, I mean, Joey Termini said it himself. You know, it's amazing to me how how the community just got together to fix the problem. I mean, really embodies what Philadelphia is all about. You know, we're grit. It's it's about finding a way, you know, and in this world of ugliness and, 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 and murder and crime. And it's such a beautiful story that, you know, yeah, Philadelphia, we're still here. You know, we're, we're going to find a way. We'll always find a way. Philadelphians don't give up like We are used to being the underdogs. We're in between New York and Washington, and we are the underdogs, and we will scrap and claw and make our way up to the top. And, you know, from the Super Bowl, nobody likes us. We don't care. We have grit. You know, this is a story of Philadelphians doing what Philadelphians do best, which is scratch their way and make it happen. He explained it also like being part of a multi-generational business, a family business. It's not like being part of a company. Like, you don't give up. That's not the, that's not an option. One of the things that has made Terminis survive all this, all these years is our our willingness to say, you know what, whatever it takes, like, we'll make these all night if we have to, like, we'll find a way. And that's one of the things that makes family business so special, is that willingness to say whatever it takes. Uh, Joey was explaining how he was thinking about his customers. It's not about money or it's not about sales for us. It's about not letting our customers down. It really, that's, that's where everything else takes care of itself. When you take care of the customer, everything else takes care of itself. And he said, like, this is what small businesses do. They don't give up. Failure is not an option which is also consistent with the Philadelphia story. There are very few places on earth that are quite like Philadelphia. I will note that. 
But I think that's part of it. I don't know. There's just something about Philadelphia and Philadelphia pride and coming together for each other, that that community thing, that like we help each other out. We really like embrace this little city ourselves and nobody else better talk any trash about us no matter what we say about the city. I mean, this is the city will that, that will throw snowballs at Santa Claus and then help you up when you need a helping hand. <laughs> exactly. That This is Philadelphia in a nutshell. And they managed to rescue Christmas. We're to the point where you were able to walk into this newsroom with a gigantic box of those cannolis. They're so good. Especially Termini Brothers cannolis. I mean, if you could have been in the newsroom in that morning to our listeners, everybody knew when I walked in with that blue and white box with the string around it, people were like, oh, Termini Brothers. I heard that a couple of times in the office. Like, oh, well, you already knows what this is about. You got to grab one of those. Now, this is a business, as you mentioned, it's 100 years old. COVID changed a lot of things. How have they been holding up over this last year and a half, almost two years to get to their 100th anniversary, even through this pandemic? You know, I know it was a difficult couple of years. I mean, they just, you know, I think it was kind of this idea of like, you just push on. And if you can make it through these couple of years, then you'll be all right. Uh, I don't think they would have let their century old business go down um, so close to their 100 year anniversary. I actually did talk to him last year and he was telling me like, next year's our big year. We got to make it through. A big part of their business is also the wholesale and the mail orders. And they are like crazy right now filling mail order cannoli uh, orders. And so that's a big part of how they and a lot of other businesses survived. And now here we are on the other end of that. They've made it, they made it to a century. Thankfully, Christmas got saved. You were able to bring in that big, beautiful box of cannolis. As cool as this story is, Hadash, you've also been working on another really large project that you do every year called a child celebration. And people hear these these kids' Christmas and Hanukkah stories on KYW News Radio. You can hear them right now, actually. We got to get you back in here to talk about this because I think this year in particular is actually a really special one, too. Yeah, this is the 20th year of this feature. It's uh, my longest running feature. And uh, it's also, you know, my favorite. So I will tell you all. I can't wait to tell you all about it. I don't think people have to understand how adorable these kids are. And these little ones just get going. And it's just some of the funniest stuff you'll ever imagine just hearing. It's just, and plus, they're just really, really cute. They're so sweet and so cute. Yeah. Uh, it's a skill. It's not easy to interview uh, five-year-olds. But it's like a sweet little snippet in time and just like so magical and innocent. And I just love them. Every single kid that I interview, I just love them. If there are very few people who are good at talking to little ones, Hadas is probably the best at it. And we will have you back on here to talk about a child celebration. And how can people check out what else you're doing? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Hadas Kuznets. You can follow the What's Cooking page. All of the kids will be online on the KYW website, kywnewsradio.com slash celebration. You can also hear them on the air from December 18th through the 26th. That's Hadas Kuznets from KYW News Radio. Hadas, thank you so much for joining us today. You bet. Now we're going to take a quick break here and then bring in Andre Bennett. He's our go-to guy for all things to watch to talk about Christmas movies. And yes, we do settle the debate about Die Hard. We'll be back. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer, and you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith. 
with Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. So one thing there's never a shortage of at this time of year are Christmas movies, holiday movies. All the streaming services have the new ones, and of course Hallmark has an infinite supply of some of the best and cheesiest Christmas movies you can think of. So how do you decide which ones to watch exactly? Well, for that, we can only go to one person. We turn to Andre Bennett, our resident movie buff, movie expert. Andre, you came in here and did this for us on Halloween. We had to have you back when we get ready for the Christmas season. So good to have you back here on The Rundown. Well, thank you very much. Halloween was, of course, you know, anything scary will do. (laughs) But Christmas is uh, is a little trickier because just the holiday season, because obviously there's got to be... Certain thematic elements that have to be there, and uh, that has led to debate in some cases over what makes a holiday movie, <laughs> and uh, specifically whether Die Hard oh, is see. that. I was going to hold on to Die Hard till a little later, but since we're already just starting with Die Hard, let's just ask the question. Can is- I just say, Die Hard has become so much of a thing that it is now referenced in other Christmas movies <laughs> about whether or not it's a Christmas movie. I have... A mixed review of this one, but if anyone has watched the movie Love Hard, yes, that is a pun on Die Hard. It's a (laughs) Netflix cheesy movie. Very much not like Die Hard, but like that is a plot point in another movie. I got to ask, we're going to ask the obvious question here. Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie? I say yes. And why do you say yes to that? Not that I disagree with you, but why do you say yes to that? Because not only is Die Hard set at Christmas, but Die Hard is about a man who is trying to reconnect with his wife. It has a a theme of family during the holidays. And that, to me, qualifies something for being a Christmas movie. Because what what are the holidays about? A large part of it is being with family. Being with family, giving just the general uh, spirit of, of, of merriment, peace, and goodwill. And Die Hard uh, goes into that with one man trying to reconnect with his estranged wife. And, of course, you you know, any good drama has an obstacle. In this case, the obstacle is a gang of of highly trained, heavily armed uh, bandits. (laughs) So instead of the Grinch. It's it's Hans Gruber. I mean, yes. it's just like that. This is what we've got in front of us here. There's Christmas trees everywhere. There was a Christmas party going on in the film. Yeah, when all hell broke loose in the film. It's just that's how it worked out. Exactly. And I'm trying to think of any other movies that have Christmas in them, but are not considered Christmas movies. And I'm oh, kind I've of, got several oh, yeah. that I was going to yes bring to the table. I feel like Andre, you are in the position of being. You should wear the black cloak. You are the arbiter. You're the adjudicator, the Supreme Court. <laughs> and your rulings on these matters could set precedent and then open up things for other interpretations. So, See, I am here for other, Andre, I'm sure you'll have more of this, but like non-sappy romance genres of Christmas movies. Oh, I have like I think a whole, you can have, like, yeah. yeah, I don't think a Christmas movie needs to be like a Hallmark feel-good movie. So I'm I'm down with throwing Die Hard in there, but I'm curious what else you have on your maybe, maybe not list. Trading Places? Trading Places, I don't consider that a Christmas movie because Christmas is merely a backdrop. All right, so I think this is important. We're trying to now distinguish what factors, how many factors are needed to qualify as a Christmas movie. Because yes, in Die Hard, there are Christmas festivities going on, but there's something, am I getting from you, Andre, there needs to be a deeper meaning and more direct connection to Christmas? Yeah, Mm. to the general spirit of the holiday. Uh, And trading places to me could take place anytime. Okay. Can I throw one more out there? Sure. 
Batman Returns. Uh, that is actually on my Christmas action list. Yes. Right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> because um, it could take place any other time, but Christmas is key to Batman Returns. Because the penguin leads the kids along like the Pied yeah, Piper, you've right? Yeah, got, you've got the whole thing, you know, the penguin attacking the firstborn sons. Yes. Um, the penguin being someone who was forsaken by his family. There's that whole theme of orphans, basically, between, you know, you got Bruce Wayne, who is like, when you compare Bruce Wayne and Oswald Cobblepot, it's sort of like a there but for the grace of God go I situation, because Bruce Wayne could have been Oswald Cobblepot. Both of them lost their families, but Bruce's family was ripped away from him by a mugger, and the Penguin's family just tossed him in the river. Mm. I need to go back and rewatch now Batman Returns. There's a far more deeper meaning that it's you just... It's the right time of year. <laughs> it's part, it's, and you got plenty of time to do it. The, then you've got the Shreks. You've got Max Shrek and his son Chip as well, you know? So, there, yeah, there's there's a lot about fathers, sons, and uh and So general family themes seems important. They, they, that's one key to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and this is an interesting conversation we're having here. What do you look for? In a good holiday Christmas movie, what are some of the qualities that jump out to make some of these the better of these types of films? That's a good question. And like the themes that I I mentioned earlier are kind of good uh, hallmarks, no pun intended. But it's a little more ephemeral as far as the actual like qualities. You know, I think it's really sort of like certainly a, a feel good sort of thing. Uh, sort of quality to it. You want to you want to come out of it feeling better than when you came in. It doesn't necessarily have to be saccharine. There can be you know kind of like a scary element to it. Obviously, mm-hmm. a Christmas Carol is at True. its heart a ghost story, but it's a ghost story about you know being in the spirit of giving. And of course, there's no shortage of versions of that story. Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, at the very top, you got the Muppet Christmas Carol. That's, oh, absolutely. Yes. That is to me probably the the greatest version of it committed to film. I'm not like saying this just to be flip. I, I think The Muppet Christmas Carol is a wonderful movie. It's certainly one of the more faithful adaptations. It's also just got Michael Caine just giving this amazing performance as, as, as Scrooge. He, he's wonderful. And the way he interacts with the Muppets is so seamless. And it's so beautifully done like the sets are wonderful the the effects are it's a gorgeous movie it's a holiday favorite but i think it's underrated as far as just how good it is how just legitimately it's a Mm, just a really good movie yeah and then you've got uh, scrooged which is yeah scrooged is a classic there was a i remember one christmas where i you know this would be fun to do in quarantine times for some reason (laughs) I was watching this movie. It was on TV. It was back when, you know, I actually tuned into at a certain time to yes. a TV channel to watch a Christmas movie. And my uncles were at their houses watching it at the same time. And during commercials, we would text each other and like quiz, like, did you notice what time the clock on the bell tower said? And like quiz how close we were paying attention to the movie. Like really, really stupid stuff. But it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the other ones you have there? On that Christmas Carol's list, uh, because like I said, there's there's a number. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol is one that I really liked as a kid. That was my childhood Christmas. I've, Carol. I've seen. Was, I remember seeing too. that one. That was that was a really good one too. I mean, you've got Scrooge McDuck. You got to make it a Christmas yeah. Carol. Literally, the reason we have Ducktales is yeah. because <laughs> of this movie. 
Uh, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is an abridged version, but it's also quite faithful. But it's got the whole framing device of Mr. Magoo playing Scrooge on stage, which is the only way you can really buy Mr. Magoo as Scrooge because he's such <laughs> like a, an avuncular figure. This is throwing it back to like my more my parents, the kind of stuff that they really like too. My dad will still watch Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Well, the Magoo thing also, my, my fiance and, and her family, they, they love Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Uh, and the Muppet Christmas Carol, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have a surprise uh, pick, which is the Doctor Who Christmas Carol special, <laughs> which is actually, which was actually really, it's like from about I want to say ten years ago, and it's basically the story of a Christmas Carol, but with the Doctor, and it has Michael Gambon as like the Scrooge stand-in, and it's a, it's a really well done sort of um, reimagining of the story. Like in a sci-fi vein. Going back to the idea that Christmas movies don't necessarily have to be sappy, you have the uh, Christmas horror category. Uh, (laughs) There are are, are tons of Christmas horror movies. You've got your Jack Frost. You've got your – you've got Santa's sleigh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't get better than Gremlins. We forget that that was a de- – I mean, there's still – as a little kid, I'm still picturing the gremlin wearing the Santa hat yeah. and how how much of Christmas theme. That's another one where you don't think of it initially as a Christmas movie. It's like, no, that is definitely a well, Christmas the whole, movie. The whole movie is about a Christmas gift gone horribly wrong. <laughs> a Christmas gift gone completely wild. Just. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, the Gizmo, uh, like, is, some, is something I grew up just loving. I love Gizmo. I think – my fiance and I like really differ on whether or not Gizmo is even cute because she <laughs> kind of thinks that he's grotesque, and I'm like, no, definitely cute. <laughs> I, yeah, I had a Gizmo doll as a five year old when that movie came out when I, I was a little kid. One. Man, that's no, those that, that you couldn't go anywhere without seeing Gremlins if you're a mid eighties baby like like we were. It's yeah. just like it was everywhere. Yeah, my mom took me to see it, and I don't think she expected <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but it's that's a really good one. There are there are a few that uh, I wanted to recommend as well. There are a couple that fall into the evil Santa subcategory that I <laughs> refer to with Santa's sleigh. There's Rare Exports, which is a Finnish movie, which basically recasts Santa as a raging monster. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like as an actual like evil like monstrous kind of creature sort He's, of that that sleigh is not coming and giving gifts is what we're finding we're kind of hearing no. from this one <laughs> but it's about it's about these kids who end up having to kind of defend their uh, village against this evil Santa that is discovered. This sounds like an episode of Rick and Morty. Just the way like, one of those portals that Rick goes through that this is where Santa is actually killing people. It, it is actually well, it's it's much sweeter than than you know Rick and Morty would would be. <laughs> then you have a movie called Dial Code Santa Claus. Uh, you can probably find it um, streaming as Deadly Games on Shutter and AMC Plus, and that's basically it. Actually, was made before Home Alone. It was released the year before Home Alone. But it's about a kid who is very precocious, uh, a mechanical genius who has his home rigged with traps and everything, and he's defending against a home invader. Who, in this case, instead of a comical burglar or whatever, you actually have a legit psychopathic child murderer dressed as Santa Claus. Fun. And the kid has to defend himself and his grandfather against this evil, unhinged Santa. And I just watched this last night for the first time after like all of this hype. It lived up to it for me. 
I had to dock it half a star because I don't like movies where where dogs are oh. are hurt. Oh, oh no! The warning. At yeah. least now I know what <laughs> yeah. to prepare for. Content warning on that one. But aside from that, it's an absolutely insane movie. So I have to definitely recommend that. We also have the Christmas action subgenre, which obviously Die Hard is a part of. One movie that I feel kind of dicey about recommending lately, largely because of the Mel Gibson of it all, is Lethal Weapon. I grew up with the Lethal Weapon movies. And to me, Lethal Weapon, the first one, is a Christmas movie because it's about a forlorn, suicidal man who finds a new family at Christmas. It just so happens that uh, they also have to bust a drug ring. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Yeah. This is the subgenre of Christmas action that's all Shane Black because Shane Black, who wrote Lethal Weapon, that was like his first big movie, and then he made like movies like The Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man 3, which... I actually count as a Christmas movie Mm. because it's a Shane Black Christmas movie. Um, Well, and speaking of, have you watched any of Hawkeye? I have not watched Hawkeye yet because I'm still behind. Uh, I think that is probably definitively a Christmas series. There's way more Christmas in it than I thought there would be. I've heard, and I do want to watch it, but I haven't watched Shang-Chi yet, and I'm trying Ah. to— you got to keep it consistent. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got your Christmas comedies. Not necessarily—well, some of these are more Hallmark-y than others, while not actually being Hallmark, but I I mentioned Home Alone. That's obviously on the course. Yeah. That's like one of the all-timers. Yeah, that's a classic. And there's Home Alone 6 is now out. Home oh. Alone 6. Oh, yeah. Yep. Home, home Sweet Home Alone? Yeah, that's that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. I've, I think I stopped after. I, th- I don't even know if I've seen three. I think I might have only seen the the first two. Three's not good. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like they got any better. The, the Home Alone series is great. My own personal favorite. The movie's highly inappropriate, but Billy Bob Thornton and Bad Santa is just mm. one. I've just learned to love that movie over time. More so when I was in my mid-20s and I was completely inappropriate, but... I don't know why I got such a huge kick out of that being maybe the dirtiest Christmas movie ever made. This is where I'm going to shock all of you and mention that I've still yet to see that movie. Oh, my. Wow. I don't think I've seen it either, but it's definitely not the kind of thing that I ever would have watched as a, certainly not as a child, but even as a teenager, it wasn't like my taste. It was surprisingly a really good but extremely filthy movie. It was just like, (laughs) it was... Billy Bob Thornton being one of those really good actors in a movie that if it had been anybody else, <laughs> it wouldn't have gone very well. It's like Robert Downey Jr. showing up in Tropic Thunder, that yeah. type of thing. That's what oh, Billy yeah. Bob Thornton in Bad Santa basically was. It's on my list, and I love Bernie Mac and John Ritter, so obviously I've, I've mentioned I think that was one of his last movies, too. John Ritter, yeah. Both of them, I think. The Santa Claus, I remember as being funny. I don't know how it holds Which up. Which one was that, the one with Tim Allen? The yeah. Tim yeah. Allen, gotcha. yeah. Okay. The Nightmare Before Christmas, which... Yes, uh, of course. Of course, course, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of debate over whether that's a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie. It's both. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it's more of a Christmas movie. There's one recent favorite I have, which I feel like not many people are going to share this one. It it might be too soon, but there was a movie that came out, uh, I want to say, a couple of years ago, and it's called Last Christmas. Yes. You, You know which... Have you seen that one? Yeah, that the if, ensemble it's, cast? if it's the same Last Christmas that I'm thinking of, it's the one with, with Henry Golding and Amelia, and Amelia, Amelia Clark. Clark. Yes, uh, and Michelle Yeoh. It's got a great cast, but for me, what did it was it's all filled with George Michael music. 
<laughs> and I, I love George Michael. That's like, right. Like, I am an unabashed George Michael fan. I took my mom to see that movie. It's one of the last movies we saw together, and because uh, she also loved George Michael. And we, we both enjoyed it. It's very, very drippy and sappy, <laughs> and there's a unbelievable, you might find a ridiculous plot twist. No spoilers. Uh, but I won't. That's I won't spoil we'll it. But it's. I had fun. I really enjoyed it. I have a couple. I actually have a few Christmas specials here too. Uh, I mentioned a Muppet Family Christmas, which is a crossover between the Muppets, Sesame Street, and Fraggle Rock. I don't know if it's on any streaming service, but you could probably find it if you just Googled it. Charlie Brown, obviously. Course, that's, of course. you know, still still gets me. I got to be honest with you. So we watched that with the kids last weekend because we're doing them in order. We mm-hmm. did Charlie Brown, The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, Thanksgiving. And I did not remember. This is the first time I've watched it probably since I was like, right, five or six. I did not remember that the language in the Snoopy Charlie Brown show series, a little bit dicey if you have kids on the younger side. Like, we got a lot of stupid, we got a lot of blockheads. <laughs> a lot of insults. Lucy was not really nice. So, no, no, like, she's all that not. Stuff, I mean, I knew she wasn't. I just didn't remember her Whoa. being, like, that bitter and biting. But uh, I think for better or worse, that stuff goes over the kids' heads and they just laugh at Snoopy doing silly things. And also, there's, like, some actual serious topic matter oh, yeah. and serious complex thoughts that mm, yeah. um, all the peanuts are working through. Yeah, because that one particularly is about basically commercialism at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Snoopy sells out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Snoopy sells out. Language gets a little stiff. I mean, it's, it's, it may actually be, it, it might have actually aged a little better than we kind of think. It, if, oh, it still holds up. Yeah. Still, you, can't, you can't do Christmas without Charlie Brown, regardless no. of, of whichever special you end up getting a hold of. We can't forget the Grinch, of yeah. course. Oh God! Whether How you're did I do- forget the Grinch? Whether you're doing the TV special, which is my personal favorite, or the, the Jim, or the the Jim Carrey movies, or it's, I was always kind of yeah. I was kind of the same <laughs> yeah. way. Give me the old school, the yeah. the old school, the the cartoon with the with the original diss track of "You're a Mean One, Mister Grinch." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have spiders in your soul. Thurl Ravenscroft. It's amazing. That's it. That's in our rotation. There's a new one that just dropped on, and also there's a new uh, uh, Snoopy New Year special on Apple TV+. Plus. But there's a new Christmas special that just dropped on Netflix that my fiancé and I watched, and it's absolutely adorable. It's called Robin Robin. It's from Ardman Animation. You would know them best from Waltz and Gromit and Shaun the Sheep. And they've also done a new Shaun the Sheep holiday special, but... Robin Robin is just this marvelous stop motion special about a bird that is about a robin who is found and raised by a family of mice. And she tries to fit in as a mouse and sneak around houses and and get food, but she's just terrible at sneaking. (laughs) And it's really just about, you know, learning who you are and learning what you're good at and Mm. being true to yourself. It's wonderful. And also the style is different from Ardman because instead of like clay figures, they use felt figures. Oh, hmm. that's cool. And it just looks beautiful. It's it's only a half hour. It's got some genuinely lovely songs. It has Julian Anderson as the voice of a very mean sinister cat. <laughs> and uh she she kills it. It's kills it's, it as in her performance or kills the cat? 
No, she, uh, she she's marvelous <laughs> as the cat. Okay. Right. <laughs> she's marvelous as the cat. Richard E. Grant's in it. It's it's just uh, it's a wonderful special, and I think that's going to be something we uh, we make a tradition of. Nice. We could be here all day talking about the iconic Christmas movies you, that you said. It's a wonderful special. Makes you think of it's a wonderful life. How am I forgetting to mention it's a wonderful life? One of my absolute favorite Christmas movies. I grew up with it. Or I grew up seeing it on television, but I never appreciated it until I saw it once at what is now the Philadelphia Film Center, but it used to be the Prince Music Theater. I saw it on 35 millimeter. I took my mom, and I fell in love with it as though I was seeing it for the first time. And then when I got home, I collapsed, and it turns out I had tonsillitis. Oh, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still a wonderful memory seeing that movie. Uh, White Christmas is another one that uh, it's old, and some oh, of it classic. doesn't always hold up. But, yeah, it is classic. Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, I could watch do anything. He's so marvelous. And one last one, going back to the Muppet thing, any of you remember Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? Vaguely, I do, actually. I do remember seeing no. it. It's impossible to get through that special without tearing up. Hmm. And it's like, if you're not a little misty by the end, you really need to see if you really have you know, that holiday <laughs> you, spirit. You might, your, your heart might be three sizes too small. If you're, hey, <laughs> you're yeah, It's wonderful. Like... It has Paul Williams songs that are amazing. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. It's just, if you've never seen it, you ought to. And if you haven't seen it in a long time... You want to revisit it because it's just, it's a wonderful, very emotional, and ultimately joyful special. Now, we can obviously talk Christmas movies all day long here. We're coming to the end of this year. Very quickly, what are some of your just favorite movies of 2021? Doesn't matter the genre. Oh, Lord. Uh... That's that's a that's a question. We didn't prepare you for that one. <laughs> you didn't, and I haven't really been out as much this year because you know with the with the the COVID of it all. So I don't have like a big list, but I will tell you that one of my favorite movies of the year was Godzilla vs Kong, hmm. because the Godzilla reboot from 2014 was meh. Godzilla King of the Monsters was okay, but a little too overwrought. Godzilla vs. Kong is how you make a monster movie. So much fun. It's like two hours of just like, you know, we're just going to rip it up and have Godzilla and Kong fight not just each other, but like, you know, all sorts of craziness. And it's like, it is to me as good as like Godzilla versus Hedera or Godzilla versus um, Biollante. It's like one of the best Godzilla movies I've ever seen. High praise, high recommendation. Yeah. And like, I'll have to look for that one. It's hard for me to say that about a movie that doesn't have like a guy in a suit because it's all CGI. But mm-hmm. that to me is uh, definitely up there on my uh, top movies of the year list. On the other side of the spectrum of that, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, my fiance and I, after we saw it, we just shook mm. with anger and emotion for like ten minutes. We could barely speak. We were, I mean, we were angry for a while watching it. Just, and it's a great movie. Just, you know, about a period of history, about a specific case. You know, the the life and death of Fred Hampton. It's a movie that needs to be seen. One other one, uh, Nicolas Cage made a movie called Pig. That the trailer talks about this. Yes, <laughs> the trailer made it look like. It was going to be John Wick with a pig, with Nicolas Cage going ham on the people who stole his pig. (laughs) 
Pun intended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was definitely not what I expected. It was a far gentler, more contemplative movie with a Nicolas Cage performance that I think deserves award consideration. Definitely. Wow. So yeah, there there were quite a few. I mean, I I, I don't have I didn't I I hadn't got a list. Definitive list. We'll, I hadn't you know. got a list together yet, but those are three of my favorites of the year. And you can get more movie recommendations from Andre on his weekly What to Watch list. You find that on kwnewsradio.com and in our Weekend John email. Andre, how else can people follow you and maybe even send you some suggestions or get your take on all these different movies out here? I'm on Twitter at Andre Bennett Go because I like Teen Titans Go. <laughs> I love knowing that origin. There's your Twitter a, that is an amazing origin story. Andre Bennett, thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. We know you got a lot going on here, clearly between the work you do in the building and what you're doing with the with the, the weekend, John. We just appreciate you taking time to talk to us, man. And it's great to have you back on the rundown once again. Thank you. And the rundown is a production of KW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KW News Radio is Tom Rickard. Me, I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. It's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. And you can hear me every afternoon on KW News Radio starting at 3 o'clock with Philadelphia's Afternoon News on 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and of course on the Odyssey app. And be sure to follow the rundown on Twitter at the rundown PHL. Again, the rundown PHL. And listen for free on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. We want to thank you for checking out this Christmas week edition of the rundown.